0: Hello, folks, and welcome to e-commerce Q&A. This is the podcast where store owners, directors of e-commerce, and e-commerce managers can stay up to date on the latest tools and tech in e-commerce. I'm your host, Michael Bauer, self-proclaimed e-commerce junkie, and our guest today is Chris Daly, the VP of Testing and Site Optimization at Disruptive Advertising. I'm reading Chris's bio here. It says, when he's not fixing his hair, you will most likely find him pushing the boundaries of baby testing and disrupting the website design space. Chris frequently speaks on the topics of CRO and other things like that. Chris, welcome
1: thank you guys so much for having me on the
0: show absolutely. so tell me what the most disruptive thing you did this year was.
1: <laughs> well, it's actually uh, I'm not even going to give you an example in the uh, in the website realm. The most disruptive thing I've done this year is and I haven't even uploaded this to the site yet, but I started growing out my mustache. I decided uh, you know this is this might be something that i that I need to try before I'm an old man and so I've got a long curly mustache going on and I, and I uh, just, I gotta see this. I will say I'll send you a picture just this week. I got a full curl in. So uh, it goes all the way around and, and it's uh it's a big accomplishment. It's pretty disruptive.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah. You know, I'm imagining a world where you can have a curly mustache and people not think you're a firefighter
1: <laughs> or a painter
0: painter. Okay. I, I know not about the painter thing. Cause you know, what I've seen with painters at least the painters that I know, they're all a little bit quirky because they've been drinking too much paint. And what I mean is like, <laughs> you know, like a painter to, to get those nice edges on his brush, he'll like stick his brush in his mouth to, you know, get it just the right moisture. At least this one painter I did a lot of work with like 20 years ago. He was total a weirdo. Um, okay. So mustaches. So, well, you know, disruptive marketing. Can you give us the, the big idea in, in uh, a few words?
1: Sure. Sorry, disruptive
0: advertising, advertising marketing.
1: Yeah. So there's a couple reasons I love the name disruptive advertising. Number one, I mean, there's there are so many marketing agencies out there, and there's a lot of marketing agencies that you can go out there to get kind of like an all-in-one solution. So lots of agencies that offer you know any kind of marketing service you want we are just focused on one approach. And that is we, we are a data-driven marketing company that helps companies build advertising campaigns that convert and then convert that traffic on the website. So we take a very focused approach that is completely centered around conversions. And so that's obviously a disruptive approach. Um, and so I mean, that's, one, that's one reason I really like it is, obviously, our, our approach is different from everyone else in the space. But also, we're also very disruptive in the sense that we don't use traditional tactics. We're not kind of a a rote agency that goes in and does the same thing with every client. We are absolutely an agency that looks for any way of getting in front of your target audience. I mean, if that is, you know, using Facebook or using Google AdWords, that's great. If that is retargeting, if that's figuring out email campaigns, if that is, you know, running tests on your website... I mean, we dive in and we look for ways that we can learn what is actually going to convert each of our clients' audiences. And so that is also a disruptive approach. And so I am a huge fan of adapting. I mean, we're, we're in such a rapidly changing industry that you've got to be able to adapt and think on the fly and be strategic. And that's kind of our core competency. That's great.
0: Thanks for that. Now, and I, my understanding is that you mostly focus on lead gen. Is that right?
1: Uh, no. So actually, the majority of our clients and, and the space that we do the best in is e-commerce. And so I, I have a lot of background in lead gen. And that may be what you're referring to. But um, I would say over half of our of our client base is e-commerce.
0: Nice. Yeah. You know what I'm seeing and what we're pushing right now for a lot of our clients is use the strategies and tactics of info marketing and lead generation that have been proven over time over the last you know multiple, uh, honestly, like more than a dozen years and apply those to your e-commerce site. Um, and Because yes. like the main thing that, that I see when we're talking about info marketing or, or lead gen is that you have a single page that lays out a case. It's a, it's a persuasive argument you're doing. A lot of us in e-commerce think that if we just show you our stuff, that, that will make you buy it, which is not right. necessarily true if everybody else is doing that same thing. You have to be persuasive. We have to give you a reason to buy this thing. Or you know, if you're earlier in the customer journey, let you know, you know why you need to even be considering this type of thing in the first place. So we're going through this with a client right now. It's an e an e bike company, which is an interesting space. Being a biker myself, I'm into that, and actually have been considering buying an e bike, but they're freakish, freakishly expensive right now. Which is kind of the point, right? Like when you have a when you're not competing on the basis of price, you're in maybe in a, a better industry or new industry or something, something like that. There's a lot of people that are going to be competing on the basis of a lot of other attributes other than just the price. And so that's where all these strategies and tactics uh, can be really really valuable.
1: Well, and what you said that I loved, that's a big, big part of what we do. You're talking about value proposition. And for me, someone's motivation to convert on your site this is a simple, simple equation that I didn't make up, but but someone's motivation to convert is equal to their perceived value minus the perceived costs, right? So you have to build up enough value for your user that they think that that value is greater than the cost of either the, the dollar amount cost, or the time cost it's going to take, or the cost of potentially getting blasted with emails and texts from you. I mean, there's a lot of perceived cost that's in someone's mind. And so almost immediately, when someone comes to your site, you're working at a disadvantage, You're you're working with a debt that you need to repay them in the form of value, you need to show them that value. So I love I love what you said there. How are we working at a disadvantage? Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so so people in general, especially people that are web savvy, which is everybody, um <laughs> is uh people are so familiar with the standard the standard tactics. People are very familiar with the things that they encounter on websites every day. And so there's a lot of things that people when they come to your website are immediately going to tune out. They're going to tune out probably, you know, 80% of your website experience. And so you have to make sure that the things that you are really drawing attention to the things that stand out to your audience, you have to make sure that those things within two to three seconds can communicate a tremendous amount of value. Because that's about all you have, you have about two to three seconds when someone comes to your website, for them to psychologically draw context from your site and decide if they want to stay.
0: Now, let's, so, let's dig into this yeah. some more, if you don't mind. The, yeah. The whole idea of getting value within two to three seconds. I mean, let's say we're selling a product and, and that product's a physical product. And, and, you know, I can't get that product to you within two to three seconds. So so what do you mean exactly in an e-commerce site, let's say? Uh, yeah.
1: So an e-commerce is probably the very best place and sometimes the hardest place to do this because we want to tell them so much about our product, right? It doesn't matter what the product is. It could be, you know, I have I have optimized pages for... Doctors that are buying hereditary cancer testing kits, I mean, extremely detailed, lots of components to this uh, to this package, and you know very scientific there's lots of information that we could just barf all over these users, and that's what we're, we as as marketers and we as business owners are really tempted to do is just give them a ton of information and whether it's doctors that you're advertising to or kids or you know or mothers or whatever it is um you need to be able to show the value of the product in 2 3 seconds so that's there's there's two things that need to happen number one you need to make it seem very easy to take action so it needs to be obvious what the user is supposed to do and the the be- the very best way to make it obvious what they're supposed to do is to use color contrast to your advantage my eye needs to be drawn to the call to action immediately Because psychologically, if I feel like I have to figure out something, if I feel like I have to figure out what I'm supposed to do, if I feel like I have to scroll down your page or read a bunch of stuff, that immediately causes anxiety for me. And that's never good for conversion rates. So you want it to be very obvious what they're supposed to do. And then you want it to be very easy for them to figure out why they should buy your product. So there shouldn't be a ton of information that you just spew all over them right away. Now, you can have a lot of information on a site. You can have a lot of information on an e-commerce product, but you don't typically want to barrage them with all that information immediately. You probably want to have two to three things that are going to stand out to them above the fold so that they can go, okay, there's a little bit of information here. If I want more, I can scroll down. But it needs to seem psychologically easy for someone. And if, if they can figure out what they're supposed to do, and they can figure out why they should buy your product, and, and they can at least just draw some quick context from the page, you have a much, much higher chance of converting them.
0: So let me make sure I've got this straight. There's two things that you mentioned are crucial for making a conversion-friendly product detail page, which is first, making it super obvious what you want them to do, putting it right in front of them. And second, um, giving making it really obvious why they should do it. Is that right?
1: Yeah. And, and what I see happen a lot with e-commerce sites... Here's an example. I'm actually going to tell you about one of our e-commerce clients that sells a bunch of products so this this client is diesel power gear they have a show on the discovery channel so they get lots of traffic to their site and they're monetizing on this show with a bunch of knickknacks you know like hats and beard oils and t-shirts whatever They've got a bunch of stuff that that you could buy from them when you go to their home page they were like hey we've got all these cool products There's tons of different types of people that are coming to our homepage. So we just want to show them as many different kinds of products as possible, right? So they had this very long scrolling page. You could just scroll and scroll and scroll. They're like, it's kind of like Instagram. People love Instagram. So they thought that this was the ultimate homepage. When we went in, one of the very first tests that we ran that I am a huge proponent of is called an existence test. Existence tests are basically, we want to figure out what content should be on the site. So they have all these products that are on their homepage. So for an existence test, we go through and we just create a bunch of different variations of the homepage where we remove some of those products. So we had like, I don't know, eight or 10 different variations where we removed, you know, one or two or four products at a time. And we launched that test. And by the end of the first week, we had generated an additional $28,000 in revenue just from removing stuff from the site. So-
0: can, can you, I'm not going to ask you to share real numbers, but can you give us an idea of roughly how much revenue this the site's doing? is it like you know
1: uh it yeah it fluctuates it fluctuates from uh one to three hundred thousand dollars a week so okay
0: so that's a roughly uh almost a ten percent or even more actually it's ten it's percent plus
1: yes actually yeah, that's and- like
0: ten to thirty percent. Increase. Yeah.
1: And just from just from removing stuff. And you have to remember too that we were splitting traffic to some of these variations. And so once we implemented one of the winning variations, it represented, I believe, something like forty to fifty thousand dollars in increased monthly revenue. Just from removing
0: um, stuff off the site. You not changing any removing. of the messaging. Wow, okay. That's me. exactly.
1: And so that's and so that, that really speaks to this point of when you give people too much stuff, it makes it really hard for people to make a decision. When you make it simple, when you make it easy, when you help them and guide their attention where it, where it should go, you have a much higher chance of actually converting them and, and them buying something.
0: This is great. Uh, honestly, it ties in, Chris, really closely with the series that we just recently did around timeless UX principles and this uh, idea of you know taking things out, figuring out what really matters, focusing on that, pushing that. That, that was one of the main things we talked about. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that this is... Uh, further confirmation of that, um, Chris. I want to change gears slightly and talk about um, you guys. Was it you personally, or your your company won the 2014
1: Gold Witch Test One competition? Was that you? So that was my company. Yeah, uh, back uh, 2014, I started my own agency, Daily Conversion. This is prior to disruptive. Got it. So can you tell me about that? What exactly did you
0: do? How did you win that? What did you learn from yeah. that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So this is this was a really fun test and. The reason I submitted it is because it was it was a test that I think a lot of people might have rolled their eyes at when they saw what we wanted to test, mm-hmm. and it had a tremendous impact so what it what we ended up testing is we had a landing page that we had we had optimized a lot around i mean we had been testing on this landing page for over a year what what kind of company was this what was being sold it was for this was actually this was a lead generation it was for universities uh right. so getting getting people to kind of go back to school. So we had a landing page with a giant form, a ridiculously giant form with, I don't know, like 20 something form fields on it. And like I said, we'd been testing on this for for years. And so we had kind of figured that we had like a best practice landing page here, right? I mean, we've been testing on this for so long. We've we've seen so many improvements. We've learned so much about the audience. We've got it pretty dialed in. But I decided to kind of shake things up a little bit. And so what I, I ran a test, it was I called it, I just called it the color test. (laughs) So what we called it and literally all we tested is we tested like 12 different variations of colors on this page. So we tested the background color, the value proposition colors and the button color. So different color combinations and we used any color we could come up with. So we had purple backgrounds with orange buttons. We had orange backgrounds, with purple buttons, blue backgrounds with, you know, red backgrounds. I mean, we had Green, any color you could, you could think of, we, we tested in this test. And at the end of this test, so we ran this test for, I mean, we, we had, um, I think, close to 500,000 visitors that we ran through this test. So a significant amount of data. And what we did was, after we, got, after we finished the test, we went in and we segmented our results by traffic source. Because we wanted to see, okay, do different traffic sources respond to colors differently? And what we found is that each traffic source had a different winner. So our email traffic had one color combination winner.
0: Wait, 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 wait. what was it? I got to hear this. What was the <laughs> color combination that email liked?
1: Okay. And this was, this was so interesting. So email liked purple background with orange buttons. Oh, like, like the Phoenix Suns. I mean, it was the most ugly... I mean, when our designer saw that page, our designer actually told me I shouldn't even run that as a variation of the test because he said it looked so bad. There's no way it's going to win. So not only did it win, but it had over a hundred percent increase in conversion rate. So, okay, so that's email. Email for organic. I believe it was a blue background with an orange button, and then we had our, I guess what we called affiliate traffic is like remarketing, and then and then affiliate advertisers. And I believe on that one, it was the flip-flop of the email. We had an orange background with purple call to action buttons. But what came to me out of this test was something that was very interesting. Number one, color obviously played a huge role in how people responded to that page. And different types of audiences respond differently to, to different colors. And so... You know, we, we had just kind of assumed, well, we'll just run the same variation for all traffic. And this, you know, from this point on, we learned our traffic sources respond very differently to our test variations, So we need to test them all separately. We need to have a customized landing experience for each of these traffic sources. It was very, very interesting. And some of the craziest results I've ever seen.
0: That's so weird. You know, we just did a call the other day with, with uh, Nick DeSabado, and you probably know from the industry. And we had a very interesting conversation about the whole dynamic tension between activities that basically make your size look worse, but convert better. Yep. And, um, yeah, so, it, you know, there is a balance to be struck, just to be clear for anyone who's new to the show. You don't want to only go off of you know, what tests better in the short term, because that's like all the the low end fast food restaurants that just start randomly adding things to their menu until it's so cluttered you can't even figure out what's going on and basically you lose your brand eventually so you got to watch out for that but you know at the end of the day you know we we have to balance those two things because we, we need to you know we need to sell sell stuff we need to sign up leads we need to this is a transactional scenario here it's not an art gallery so dynamic yeah. tension wow that's really interesting now you know one of the things that we're running into is when you start getting more targeted, you get a much better conversion rate. Astronomically better, right? Every single factor by which you you segment an audience and then market to that makes it way better. And so what's a modern tool that you guys maybe can recommend for managing the all the different versions of everything that you have to have? Landing pages, mainly. let's start with that.
1: Yeah, well, and so a couple things on that note. First... I always recommend testing before you start personalizing all of your landing pages, because I have also run very similar tests in different industries where all the traffic responded the same or all the traffic didn't really seem to care. And so I wouldn't get too complicated before you know that you need to. Um, but if you've, but if you've tested and you find that these different audiences respond differently, because I can't even tell you, I mean, the idea of personalization gets a lot of business owners really excited. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, like, okay, yeah, we can have a campaign for we can have a landing page for women, we can have a landing page for men, we can have a, a landing page for for Asians for you know, whatever. This idea sounds really exciting. And it also is a ton of work. And it only makes sense if the audience cares, right? If the audiences actually perform differently. So but assuming that you have you've tested, and these different audiences actually want a customized experience. I mean, there's a variety of things we use for landing pages. We use Unbounce. Unbounce is a great way, very easy tool to set up landing pages. You can copy and duplicate landing pages, create variations. It's a really, really easy way to manage tons of different landing pages. And it's very, very simple. I mean, it has like a a drag and drop editor. So you don't need a developer to go in and develop these landing pages. So highly recommend a tool like Unbounce. And then if you're if you're testing an actual page on your site, so not like a landing page, you've got to have a testing tool in place. So something like Optimizely or Visual Website Optimizer or Adobe Target, you've got to use something. And these testing tools can what we do for a lot of our clients when we've broken out landing pages like this and we have four or five different audiences with different site experiences we won't even make the changes on the actual site because it can get kind of complicated if if you've got five different versions of a page Mm -hmm. that your developer has to code up based on traffic source, right? And so a lot of times, we'll just have one version of that page and then we'll use our testing tool to pull out those specific audiences and customize the experience for them. So that way, you don't have this nightmare of a backend on your website that your developer cries every time you need to make a change to. He can just manage one version and then you use the testing tool to manage all the rest. Absolutely. And we're actually seeing the emergence
0: now, this is kind of a bleeding edge area, but of tooling that will not only do what you said, but it will do it dynamically from a data source. So like yeah. it'll be like personalizing your page based on data that we are pulling from our CRM or whatever tooling. And uh, so that's going to get really, really fancy in the next, I would say, year, where we'll be able to do dynamic personalization without having to do a ton of manual work. Yep. Kind of personalization on the fly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, cool. That's interesting. So I don't want to spend too much time talking about the tech here. I want to hear more about the disruptive side of your business. What are some other really disruptive things you guys have done?
1: Well, I mean, in the, in the testing space, pretty much anything you you do is going to be disruptive, especially because most of the time you're dealing with a business owner that has very firm opinions on what is going to work and what isn't.
0: Because mm-hmm. um, they started this thing and it's their baby and they they, they know this industry and maybe they're part of oh, the, yeah. the market, right? That kind of thing.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. In fact, I'll, I'll give you one example. So just the other day, we have a fashion retailer. She's got a lot of store boutiques and then and now she's launched an online website to sell her clothes. So she's very, very, very involved in the fashion industry. I mean, she flies out to Europe every year you know, multiple times per year to figure out all the latest fashions, to make sure that she's on top of the latest trends, to, you know, she sources out all of the all of the materials herself. And so she's very involved in this space. And because she's very involved in this space and she's very on top of the trends, she was positive she knew what her audience wanted. <laughs> and so one of the things that we proposed to her, one of the things that we've seen work very well on e-commerce sites. So if you're looking for a test that you should run, it's not the easiest test to build, but it can have tremendous impact, is having some kind of a pop-up experience when you add something to your cart. So, you know, one of the uh, going back to this idea of making it very easy for your customers, you want it to be very obvious what the next step of the process is. And so on on this particular website, if I clicked add to cart, I added a, a shirt to my cart, for example. I would just get a little notification that says, yay, successfully added to your cart. And that's great. Uh, but we we recommended to her, we've seen this work on other sites. Hey, instead of that, we should have a pop-up that comes up and says, yay, you added this to your cart. Now let's go check out and buy this. And she said, no, that'll never work. <laughs> and so we said, okay, well, why, why will it not work? And she said, well, I tried this three or four years ago, my audience just doesn't like pop-ups, plus nobody else in my space is doing pop-ups. And so if it worked, someone else would be doing it. And we said, okay, well, let's go ahead and let's run it anyways. So we ran three or four different variations of pop-ups with different designs, different content, different information, different emphasis on checking out versus continuing to shop. Anyways, by the end of the test, all of the variations that we ran were beating her existing website. And the one that ended up winning, even though she wanted to push people to continue shopping, the one that ended up generate, generating by far the most revenue was the one that just had in your face like a big red button that says "Proceed to Checkout," and then had a little tiny link that said "Continue Shopping." So making it very obvious, you know what? You just added something to your cart. Let's get you, let's get you to check out now and actually buy. And so, you know, again, this was very surprising. To her went. against what she believed her audience wanted and went against what her industry, quote unquote, best practices were, but it totally worked for her audience. And so, you know, this, again, this whole idea of being disruptive is all about challenging the assumptions. You can't assume just because no one else in your industry is doing it that it doesn't work. Chances are, no one else in your industry is even testing. They're probably just, you know, launching a new website every six months and everyone thinks that they're, that that what they're doing is working, so everyone else is copying them. And so you've got to test what works for your audience. You've got to be willing to challenge those assumptions and uh, and be disruptive in your industry. That's really interesting. And I, again, I would refer back to the fact that I you know
0: it tested well in the short term. Do you think that's going to have a negative impact on the brand in the long term? Is there a
1: way of testing that? Well, and that's that's a really interesting concept that you bring up. This whole idea of branding is one that's near and dear to my heart. I'm very passionate about, you know, obviously I was a business owner myself. You know, I do care about brands. But to me, I think a lot of brands get way too caught up in the idea of their brand. To me, whether or not you're pushing someone to check out or giving them the option to continue shopping, your customers most likely are not going to remember that long term. And if it's working on your site, if it's generating consistently more sales. I mean, if you're really worried about it hurting your brand long term, one thing I've done in the past is run what I call a perpetual control, where you always have a very small percentage of your traffic that's going to a version of your website before you started testing. And then you've got your latest and greatest version of your website where you have you know, 95% of your traffic going. Uh, and so you can track you know, and make sure that these improvements you're seeing actually play out long term. Um, but for most of our for most of our clients, we see these continue to play out long-term. And that idea of brand, being so concerned about what your audience thinks about your brand, if they like your site experience, you've got a good brand. It doesn't matter whether you're using pink or purple or red or orange on your site to your audience. They don't really care what, what your site looks like and feels like. They really just care, is it easy to use? That's one thing that Amazon has found, and Amazon, I think, is the king of, is they're constantly tweaking their site. And it has nothing to do with, well, we want people to think that we are the most sophisticated website in the world. It's really just about, how do we sell the most damn product in the world? And everyone loves Amazon because it's so easy to buy crap. You know, It's almost too easy. <laughs>
0: you know what's interesting, uh, what this is reminding me of? I, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know if I fully agree, but that's because I haven't done the testing that you've done. And I feel anxious about this idea of, you know, making changes that may, you know, Feel so dangerous or whatever, and so I, I'm feeling really challenged in my assumptions about that, and I appreciate that challenge. What I was thinking about just a moment ago was the, the concept of in genetics and biology, and I'm not a biologist, but you know the idea that a a genetic population, when it's exposed to a certain environment, will change and morph, and uh, you know the idea of um, helpful mutations, basically that you know genetic traits expressing themselves a particular way. Within an environment which will allow the population to survive better in that environment, I think maybe we can analogize from the idea that an an audience is like an environment, and that your website is like a uh, you know an organism or maybe a you know a specific subpopulation of that of that you know genetic community that then can find its its safest and best expression, and it's going to be a little bit different depending on the environment, depending on the strengths of the company and so on. So what I'm getting at is like, you know, you have lizards that develop larger pads on their feet to be able to grip things better. But then in another scenario, it's actually gets smaller pads so they don't have as much surface area with the sand so they don't burn their feet or whatever. And I think that we can basically maybe take that idea, I'm just thinking out loud here, but apply that to you know changing when we think of testing and changing our our websites and, and really any of our digital properties or any of our marketing any of our messaging, anything about the company that's customer-facing. Maybe we can be a little bit bolder and see what's going to to stick and be more straightforward. So that's a challenging thought for me.
1: Yeah, just and going along with that, it's important that we not get so tied to what has worked in the past that we are unwilling to try new things that may work and, and let the audience surprise us. Um, because I will tell you this, I mean, I run hundreds of tests every month right now for a variety of different clients in every industry you can imagine. And I am surprised every day by a test result. Hmm. Um, something that I didn't think that would work that did or something I thought would work that didn't. So get, I mean, you've got to give your audience room to surprise you.
0: That's great. Well, that's a great place to stop. And uh, Chris, we, we so much appreciate your input and just your, your enthusiasm on the show today. Before we go, can you let us know how, you know, how folks can follow up and learn more from you and from your company and maybe work with you guys?
1: Yeah, you bet. So, I mean, I'd love for people to reach out if they have any questions. I'm on Twitter just at Chris Daly. My last name is D A Y L E Y. We have uh, we've put together actually a free starter guide. If anyone wants to start testing, they don't, don't don't know exactly what to do or what tools to use. And so, if people want to check out our, our starter guide, they can go to disruptiveadvertising.com/guide. If they want to work with us, there's a little checkbox to click. If you don't want to be contacted by us, just don't check that box and we won't pester you. So that's a great resource if you want to get started. Excellent.
0: And we'll leave it there. Thank you again, Chris. And everyone, uh, start testing. Start breaking things. And if you're afraid of what's going to happen, maybe work with an expert like Chris and his team. Yeah. Let's improve our websites in in some really amazing ways.